Savannah is an attractive place to those who like to bike and walk with our mild weather, beautiful scenery, and compact neighborhoods. Savannah is also a highly dangerous place for cyclists and pedestrians, as evidenced by the recent uptick in car meets bike and car meets person accidents across our area. Bike Walk Savannah's Kayla Brown joins this episode of The Commute to discuss the city's Vision Zero plan meant the curb deaths on our roadways, as well as the growth of purpose-built recreation trails. SavannahNow.com. This is a commute podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Brimmer, opinion columnist and a deputy editor at the Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice weekly podcast, which focuses on news and happenings in and around Savannah. Today is Tuesday, May the 17th. The focus of today's episode is bicycle and pedestrian safety in Savannah, and Bike Walk's Kayla Brown is queued up and ready to talk. But first, this ad for the podcast presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Here at the Savannah Morning News, we are in the midst of planning some changes to our offices. I was just talking to the building manager about it this morning, in fact. I know that once we decide on our space, we are golden. Why? Because we are clients of Savannah's premier office design and outfitter, National Office Systems. National Office Systems works with Savannah's own dirt modular interiors on layouts, and partners with two of the most iconic brands in office furniture, Herman Miller and now Knoll, whose products just recently became available. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's the interview with Caleb Brown. Excited to be joined on the commute today by a new guest. This will be her first, but will not be her last appearance on the podcast and it's Kayla Brown who is the executive director with Bike Walk Savannah and I reached out to Kayla because we had a story in the paper last week talking about bike and pedestrian safety in Savannah of course building off of some of the rash of accidents we've had in recent weeks that has kind of gotten everybody's uh, attention and it was pointed out in the story that that Georgia and Savannah is one of the more dangerous places really in the country for bicyclists and pedestrians and Kayla let's just start right there why is that and what is being done to address these safety issues so um, thanks for having me Adam I'm thrilled to to be talking about this issue um, near and dear to my heart so I've been with Bike Walk Savannah I've been executive director since 2019 and I've been on the board since 2008 so I've uh, th- this has long been a focus um, ba- making Savannah and Chatham County both safer for people biking and walking and because we think that that makes Savannah great. And so, you know, one of the issues that we have here, um, both in in Savannah and Georgia is that is a lack of investment really in safe places for people to bike and walk. When we, you know, talk about these crashes that are happening, um, we, we, you know, frequently use the word accidents when we describe these things, but they're not accidents, they're crashes. They you know, we, we have solutions to prevent them from happening. Um, it's not an oopsie, it's, you know, somebody's life has been taken. And so we know that by putting in better sidewalks, better crosswalks, better lighting, protected bike lanes, we can create safer streets for everyone using them, um, but we haven't necessarily invested in doing that. And there is a lot changing both, um, you know, within local municipalities as well as the federal government. They just announced uh, funding today for safe streets for all, which is really focused on areas that have high crash rates for people biking and walking using public transportation. And 
really using this funding to create those safer facilities. So, you know, it's really been a disinvestment, but we're moving forward, I think, in the right the right way. Yeah, definitely when, when cars meet pedestrians or bicycles, cars 99.9% of the time win. <laughs> I think that's important for it everybody is, to um, You know, to it's, it's getting worse. As we, as we look at the design of vehicles, uh, SUVs are, and trucks are getting taller and taller. And instead of with a sedan where if a pedestrian is hit, maybe it's being hit, they're being hit in their, you know, hip area. Now right. they're being hit in their shoulder, which means that it's more of a full body hit rather than uh, a brush. And, you know, autonomous vehicles on one hand may be making that better, but from what we've seen in terms of testing, it's starting to make it worse. They're not recognizing people of color who are walking, especially at night. They're not recognizing mm. service industry workers who may have to wear dark clothes because that's their uniform and they, they don't really have another option. Um, and, you know, the solutions for that aren't necessarily, you know, putting the onus on people biking and walking and telling them that, again, that it's their fault if they were hit uh, when it may be that the driver was distracted or, again, the facility was not provided for them in order to cross or exist on our streets safely. Right. The city is taking steps to make the streets safer for cyclists and pedestrians. City Council posted a resolution in February called Vision Zero, which aims to curb and even eliminate roadway deaths. Kayla, can you unpack this effort for us? Yeah, so the Vision Zero resolution, um, which we're very grateful to the city of Savannah for signing on to, um, they're joining municipalities around the globe, really. And this is a focus on zero fatalities and zero serious injuries on our streets by 2027. So it's not just biking and walking, it's if you're driving, if you're using public transportation, if you are on a motorcycle, um, making sure that we are doing what we can to address uh, the, the rash of fatalities on our streets. And so it's looking at how our streets are designed, uh, where these high crash areas are, and proven solutions that we can take to create um, what we call a safe systems approach. So it's not just looking at this one intersection and what we can do here. And then what can we do at this intersection? And then we're never talking about commonalities between the two. It's looking at our whole street makeup. We have over hundreds, we have over 700 miles of paved streets within the city of Savannah limits. And all of them work together in a transportation ecosystem. You know, if we yeah. want to think of it that way. And problems that are happening over here are also happening over here and maybe there's differences but we can look at the whole system and create change to to create safer streets and tied to town is part of that um, we've been working on that for a long time um, both with the truman linear park trail and then looking at connecting pieces how can we take the plans that currently exist within the city and within chatham county and create a connected network because you know if you look at our facilities now we have a bunch of bike facilities in downtown Savannah and we have a few spread out all across the city and a few trails you know within the county we have um, McQueen's Island Trail which is still under construction on Tybee uh, we have the McCorkle Trail we have Tom Triplett Park we have um, Skidaway Island and so there's all these different segments but none of them are connected together so you have to if you want to get to one you have to load your bike up in the car drive to where you want to be and then you can enjoy that facility. And so what we were looking at with Tide to Town is how do we get rid of that part? How do we say that somebody can ride their bike or they can walk, run, um, 
you know, get to public transportation, access a neighborhood park that maybe they weren't able to do before without having to get into their motor vehicle to be able to do so. And so we looked at all those plans and looked at the connecting pieces and that was really what created that primary core loop of Tide to Town was, you know, how do we get from the river to the Georgia Southern Armstrong campus and back? And the resulting pathway will connect uh, over 63 neighborhoods directly, um, connect schools, libraries, medical centers, job centers, and really makes it so people if they don't have access to a motor vehicle, they'll be a lot safer when they're using the trail um, and accompanying segments, but then also able to access things like public transportation so their journey can go a little farther. I know traffic calming is a big part of, of trying to make our streets more safe. I think a lot of people hear traffic calming and aren't real happy about it, right? Because they think of roundabouts or speed bumps or the, the flashing lights that, that you know, require you to stop in the middle of the street. What, uh, is there a, is there a secret or a, a trick or whatever to try to make people realize the importance of traffic calming and maybe make it a little less unpopular with motorists who are just really anxious to get where they need to go. And I think it's that anxiety is what, um, is really fueling that conversation. When we talk about, um, the difference between people driving and people biking and walking, we're often, you know, uh, to back it up, I always hear from people, they're like, well, a bicyclist broke the law and they rode through a stop sign or they cut in front of me or a pedestrian walked out in the street and, and I was inconvenienced. And so mm -hmm. I pointed out as, well, you were inconvenienced and maybe you had to take a little bit more time in order to get to your destination. But the reason 90% of the time that that bicyclist may be rolling through that stop sign or you know, maybe didn't signal their intent when they were turning is for a safety reason. Either they have better visibility and they can see that there's no cars coming on or they weren't actually just coming out of nowhere. You just didn't see where they were because um, you weren't expecting them to be coming from there. And so they're often making that choice for personal safety reasons. Um, when we get to an intersection as a bicyclist, that's one of the most dangerous points in our journey is, you know, that opportunity for conflict. And so often the, the motivation is get out of there as soon as possible. And, you know, if we if we think of it from the flip side, from the motor vehicle driver's perspective, and, and I've totally had this happen to me as well, like, oh, I have to stop again. Like, I've been stopped at that light and now I have to stop again because the person in front of me wasn't going fast enough. But it's really, you know, it, it's time. It's not a personal safety factor. It's not that I need to get out of that intersection because I'm, I'm afraid that my car will be hit. It's because I had to spend maybe 30 seconds there. And so I'd like to, you know, if, if anybody is, is really, you know, bummed about the traffic calming, <laughs> you know, if they are, are mad that they couldn't go 60 miles per hour down Whitaker Street, um, you know, time it time what it takes you to time how your trip how long your trip is going down Whitaker Street or going down Drayton because I guarantee unless you are going right at 505 right out of the Whitaker Street garage it's probably taking a lot less time than you think and so that's one of the things that, that I do for myself is I, I catch myself when I get anxious about that I'm like oh I'm running late and it's going to take me like five whole minutes to get out of here and I'm like well it's five minutes <laughs> That's, yeah. You know, when I'm thinking about the grand scheme of things, and, and to be fair, I will say I grew up in New York, uh, very used to Long Island Expressway and 
you know, growing up, it was like two hours to get anywhere. But, you know, we, we often have this concern of like, it's just taking so long and it's like 90 seconds. It's, right. you know, when we, when we think about having to stop for somebody to cross the street, I'd much rather stop and have somebody be able to cross the street safely and get to where they need to go rather than speed through and save 15 seconds on my, on my day. Yeah. And so, you know, when we talk about these traffic calming initiatives, it's really kind of reframing our, our mindset around it. You know, yes, maybe I wasn't able to speed down this neighborhood street anymore, but it means that the people who live in this neighborhood are able to walk down the street safely because maybe they don't have sidewalks or maybe there's a school and kids had to be dropped off by their parents in a car because they didn't feel safe crossing the street. And now, you know, maybe because the traffic circle or the roundabout is there or there is a speed table or there's chicanes, there's a art crosswalk, there's a pedestrian mural or bump outs. You know, those really are just, again, reframing for the safe systems approach, thinking about everybody's safety versus everybody's convenience. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I've taken quite a bit of notice of it at Tybee the last 10 years when they when they put in the, the crosswalks with the flashing lights and just, you know, at first you're like, oh, gosh, now i got to stop every block and a half to, to wait on it. But it, like you said, it doesn't require a whole lot of time it slows down traffic and makes it safer and improves the experience yeah, and, for it's, and it's not but. just safer for people biking and walking it's safer for motor vehicle drivers right. um, when the bike lane on price street was put in you know i've heard mm -hmm. from people that that was the worst thing to ever happen in the city of savannah ever right. and if you think about the history of the city of savannah <laughs> i don't think the price street bike lane is in the top 50. but yeah. um you know they say the Price Street bike lane was the worst thing to ever happen. I can't go fast anymore. Right. But motor vehicle crashes in the first few years went down 27%. Um, yeah. Homes have been revitalized. People are able to sit out on their front porches and people actually use Price Street to go. Like they use Price Street to walk. I could not tell you before the bike lane was put in, I could not tell you anyone who I knew who right. walked down Price Street if they didn't have to. Um, John Bennett, who used to be our executive director, he lived there and he talked about how his front porch got destroyed like four times. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I went my, um, intro year classes, I, I attended SCAD, uh, my intro year classes were right at the corner of Anderson and Price and I got amazing, and this is a horrible thing to be amazing at, but I was really great at telling how many cars were involved in a crash because they happened every day. And so, you know, I'm, I'm right down the street now and I don't hear those anymore. They're, they're not happening as frequently, you know, motor, so motor vehicle drivers are safer because of a bike lane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's again, reframing that conversation to, to talk about all of our safety rather than just our convenience. Right. Well, someday I think we'll probably see the same thing with Whitaker or Drayton, but that is a podcast for another Hopefully. day <laughs> and we'll cut down on the well, two actually, I mean uh, talking about that you know the the downtown neighborhood association just released their member survey and their members are interested in seeing those elements they're interested in seeing slower streets because they recognize that this is their neighborhood it's not just you know we, we love to think about Whitaker and Drayton as our speedway into town but when we are 
looking at the neighbors around there, you know, it's not a highway. People live on those streets. They walk across those streets. And shouldn't they be just as safe as people who live in Ardsley Park or who live, you know, in, in Gordonston? Um, you know, they, they deserve those same safe streets. We'll be right back with more from Bike Walk Savannah's Kayla Brown. We'll use this break to tell you about the upcoming Coastal Empire High School Sports Awards. Presented by the Georgia Ports and sponsored by Chatham Orthopedic Associates, the award show returns to an in-person format this year after two years of virtual shows. The Best of Preps is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. on Monday, June the 10th at the Johnny Mercer Theater. Atlanta Braves great Andrew Jones will be the keynote speaker. You can come help us celebrate our local student-athletes by purchasing tickets at sportsawards.usatoday.com slash coastalempire. One more time, sportsawards.usatoday.com slash coastalempire, or go to savannahnow.com, click on the sports tab. Once the sports homepage loads, you'll see a uh, link right there at the top. You can click and get some tickets for that. So now back to the 411 on biking and walking in Savannah. And the city is, as we mentioned, is is bought in on this deal. I know that they've they've done a lot with the the Truman Trail. What have you seen since? And only a stretch of it is open. But have you been pretty pleased with with its usage? And, and what have you heard from from folks who who are frequently using it as in terms of what it adds to their quality of life? Yeah. So um, Chatham County uh, finished their segment, which runs from Duren to Lake Mare. And so that connects the Jenkins High School, which was just reopened, um, to you know Lake Mare, to all the neighborhoods along the way. And you know originally people were concerned; they weren't sure what a trail was going to bring to the community. And we, we hear this all across the United States. People are saying, "Well, you know, I I love visiting a place that has a trail like that, but I don't know about it in my neighborhood." And so you know precautions were taken. There were fences installed. There were gates put in. Um, and we immediately heard from neighbors as soon as the trail was open, why is this fence here? I don't want it. I, I want to be able to access the trail. And what do you mean I shouldn't be able to access it from my neighborhood? And so, you know, we're using those as examples of, you know, there, there may be concerns and there are legitimate ones. And we're, we're taking, you know, public safety under advisement. There are police call boxes along the Truman Trail. There are um, lights. And we're, we're able to, you know, include those safety measures but really it's opened up so much access for the community. And it's, you know, it, it's a diverse group of people who are using the trail. It's not just, you know, white people in spandex on bikes. It's families, it's our neighbors, it's, you know, black people, white people, um, everybody is, is accessing this trail and using it. And I constantly get asked when the next phase is gonna open. So the city of Savannah is working on their portion, which will go from Duren to Daffin Park. It'll connect across the 52nd Street Bridge and connect to Police Memorial Trail, which was just opened a few months back. And um, they hope to be able to start construction this fall. Uh, we just got the last funding piece in place, um, which was a $3 million earmark from Senator Warnock's office. Mm -hmm. And so we'll uh, hopefully be able to move forward with that quickly. Um, I know that engineering and, and design was mostly complete and we're just kind of waiting for the final pieces before we can proceed with construction. And I personally can't wait. <laughs> I'll be able to, you know, access that trail. Um, it's going to be great for the neighborhood. And then 
I can finally uh, hopefully stop getting asked questions on when that one's going to be done and we can right. we can start on the next segment. And I know that, that while we are making some progress here locally, the, there's an even bigger vision that goes uh, across the state, at least connecting here to to Athens and then, of course, the East Coast Greenway, which which does exist uh, as as people probably have seen the signs as they're driving here or there, especially if you're driving along US 17. Uh, where are those projects and what do we need to know about them? Yeah, so we work closely with the um, with the board and staff at the Georgia Low Trail, as well as the staff with the East Coast Greenway. Um, actually, one of the, the East Coast Greenway Georgia South Carolina coordinator, Brent Bice, serves on our board at Tide to Town. And so he's heavily involved, lives here locally. Um, and so we're, we're really looking at how we can connect all of these projects and open up not only our recreation and tourism opportunities, but how we can create more connections for people who are lo- here locally. So the Georgia Hilo Trail will run from Athens-Clark County to Savannah-Chatham, connecting the Firefly Trail Network with, the, um, with Tide to Town, and it'll connect along the, uh, the Heritage Canal path or the Springfield Canal. Uh, right in the arena district. And then that pathway will also be part of the East Coast Greenway. Um, we actually just had a visitor last week, uh, time, uh, don't know if it was last week or not, but uh, Shan and, and Josh stopped by. They're running and riding the East Coast Greenway route from Key West, Florida, all the way up to Callis, Maine. And so Savannah will be a stop on that map, um, will be a huge destination point. And it'll be a lot nicer when people can get here a little easier. But, it, you know, they, they loved it. Every, every person we've seen who is taking the East Coast Greenway route, um, they stop in Savannah and they love it. They love being able to see the trees, the parks, uh, meeting everyone, getting to, to be in our community, getting to see Savannah. And uh, <laughs> uh, Shan, actually, the, the runner, he's the first person who's running the East Coast Greenway route. So from Key West all the way up to Maine. Um, which he was like, oh, I'd, I had an easy 30 miles today. And Brent and I were like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> we like walked That's here. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we, we were talking about, um, you know, being in the park and being in Savannah. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I, um, I'm actually going to be in a student film in a little bit. I was running past them and they need some help. So I'm going to go help them out real quick. And we were like, where else would you, you be able to, you know, be visiting town and then suddenly be in a student production and, you know, get to see the community and get to know everyone. And so we're really excited that we're able to to have this partnership opportunity and look at those those larger connections. Um, you know, the way I kind of think of it is, you know, we have a, a transportation system that isn't just local streets. We have our highways, we have our byways, we have our local streets, we have our dirt roads, our driveways. And that's kind of how our bike and pedestrian transportation system also needs to work. We have you know this opportunity to connect to this highway system almost or a parkway I'll call it mm-hmm. of the Georgia Hilo Trail and the East Coast Greenway and that opens up our connective opportunities and so from there we can then build out our local routes We've seen we've seen the popularity and what these bring elsewhere, right? I mean, Atlanta's got a pretty pretty elaborate network. Of course, the the, the Beltline is is part of that. I know in upstate South Carolina, there's a lot of those towns are connected by 
dedicated bike walking paths. I, I spent some time mm-hmm. at Cape Cod. I know Cape Cod has a very extensive network as well that is removed from the roads and really has uh, provides an opportunity that is pretty unique. Is there anywhere that we should be, if people are interested and want to learn more, where should they look to see, okay, so this is what we could have here. Where, where should we look? So if you visit tiedtotown.org, um, we have a list of different case studies. So not only the Beltline, but, and, and you know, cities like Atlanta, but also looking at places like Carrollton, Georgia. They have an amazing green belt. Uh, Augusta has an amazing canal trail system. Um, and so there, there's a lot of opportunities to, to see not only what it does for a large city like Atlanta or New York City, but uh, the great things that, that trails can benefit in, in smaller places too. And so, you know, we, we have a lot of opportunity here. We, you know, we purposely, when we're looking at the routing for Tide to Town, tried to put most of it on existing right-of-ways, you know, land that the city or the county already owns. So we we don't have that land acquisition hurdle that a lot of other communities have and so you know we're we're looking at the opportunities for success but also the the areas of concern when we look at at things like the beltline and um you know other trail segments with their displacement factors how we can mitigate that so residents who need this access residents who maybe don't have access to a motor vehicle and desperately need and deserve a separated pathway that is a, a safe mode of travel for them, um, but they can also stay there and enjoy it. And so, you know, that's some of the stuff that, that we're working on with the city to, to make sure we're, we're learning lessons from, from what's happened in the past and how we can bring that kind of into the future for Savannah. Yeah, displacement's an interesting interesting thing. I've looked at, at what's happening in a Beltline in Atlanta, and, and I know Atlanta has created some uh, some programs to make sure that there's uh, affordable housing component near the Beltline because it is pushing, it is gentrifying, quite frankly, around the Beltline, uh, just as more people want to live close to that recreation point. So I imagine that that's probably it front is. and center with Savannah, too. It definitely is. And I think, you know, as we continue the discussion around impact fees, and I know council will be either hearing about that soon or, or we'll be voting on it soon, um, you know, as we continue looking at that. Um, you know, there is a lot of opportunity to to help our neighbors, to help our community members, um, you know, to be able to enjoy these amenities that they deserve. Fascinating stuff. We will stay in touch and stay on top of this. Hopefully, uh, between what the city is doing and some of the attention that some of these recent accidents, if there's a, if there's a silver lining in it, hopefully it's that people are more aware and we'll start to see that go down. But I appreciate all the work you do for the community. And... Uh, Best of luck as the tide tied to town and some of these others start to come together. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's all for the Tuesday Commute Podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Whatever your interests, you will find interviews of interest in our archives. Last week, for example, I talked to Chatham Fire's Chuck Kearns about the fire fee for unincorporated residents on Tuesday's podcast. And then on Thursday, had Savannah Ghost Pirates uh, President Bob O'Rablo talk about the inaugural season schedule, which was uh, recently released. Good stuff for sure. Check out those episodes by searching The Commute with that Savannah opinion on your favorite podcast app. And with that, The Commute returns on Thursday, and we will talk to you then. <music>